12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3. It's Money FM 89.3, and you're on 12 to 1 with me, Adrian Abraham. And today I'm joined by Jason Dacey on the line. He's an ABC journalist and former weekend mornings host right here on Money FM 89.3. Jason, always great to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Adrian. Great to be back with uh, Money FM and uh, giving an update from Australia. Here I am in Brisbane in the beautiful sunshine state of Queensland. And we'll start with sport and with the tennis with the Australian Open just around the corner. That all kicks off on February the 8th. But of course, this year is completely different to what you're used to because you used to cover this event for a few years now. You were in India presenting it for Sony. This year is different for the tournament and Novak Djokovic has written a letter calling for better conditions for players self-isolating in Melbourne. But he said, you know, this letter was written with good intentions and it's been misconstrued as being selfish, difficult and ungrateful. He was criticized after he asked the Australian Open tournament director to relax quarantine rules. 72 players are unable to leave their hotel rooms for 14 days. What's the latest happening around the state of Victoria during this time surrounding the Australian Open? Well, as your listeners will know, Adrian, it's a very tricky time to hold this first Grand Slam of 2021. We saw 1,200 people fly into Melbourne on 15 chartered flights uh, for the Australian Open, which has been put back by three weeks. It was originally supposed to happen between the 18th and the 31st of January. As you pointed out, it will start on February the 8th and go until the 21st of February. Now, as you mentioned, 72 players are now in the middle of a 14-day quarantine period, which is uh, mandatory for anyone entering the state of uh, Victoria and Melbourne itself. And we have seen players, uh, you know, very frustrated. You mentioned Novak Djokovic writing this letter. It kind of backfired. People said it wasn't appropriate. But the tournament director, Craig Tiley, said, look, it's it's okay that um, the world number one and the eight-time champion makes these suggestions, but we're going to stick with our normal routine here for hotel quarantine. So the 72 players in a hard lockdown in their hotel room in the Grand Hyatt. I've stayed in the Grand Hyatt in Melbourne. It's a lovely hotel, but a lot of players are kind of having to come up with creative ways to prepare for this tournament. And we did see Andy Murray, the three-time major winner, not even traveling to Melbourne. He tested positive before boarding his flight, so he's not here, the former world number one. We've seen some videos from the tennis players circulating on social media, you know, from how they're gearing up for the Australian Open, because while they can't be on court, they're practicing in their rooms, you know, running around, hitting balls back, and so on and so forth. But what are some of the protocols being put in place to make sure this Australian Open goes ahead smoothly? And because there are, you know, individuals out there who thought that this tournament could have been cancelled or maybe postponed. What's the latest coming out of Victoria? Well, some of the big names who are in that uh, hard lockdown and hotel quarantine include Victoria Azarenka, Sloane Stephens, Kane Shikori, the Asian number one, and Angelique Kerber. So, yeah, they have to go through something that anyone coming to Australia as an Australian resident or permanent uh, passport holder has to go through. You must quarantine for 14 days. But the Australian Open has made sure that once this quarantine period finishes, there is an eight-day period for players to have their practice and to get in shape for the Australian Open. But there have been calls by players to reduce the number of sets from best of five sets to three sets. 
because uh, these 72 players aren't able to improve their physical condition in the way that they might. As everyone knows, the Australian Open is one of the most grueling tournaments on the tennis calendar. It gets very hot in summer in Melbourne and you, you could be on the court for four or five hours. So missing this uh, period is, is really tough for players. And we have, you mentioned Novak Djokovic, but we've had other players complaining about it. Uh, Roberto Bautista Agut, the uh, world number 13 player, says it's like a jail with Wi-Fi. We had Elise Cornet, the female French player, saying it was insane to have to go through this period. We had uh, Yulia Putsenaseva. She's a Kazakhstan player. She videoed a mouse in a hotel room. And she said, uh, you know, she put up a sign saying, we need fresh air because you can't open the windows when you're in hotel quarantine. So there have been many players who have kind of expressed their frustration with the situation. But we have had other players saying, look, just get on with it. Joanna Conta, the uh, Australian-born British player, told the other players on a conference call that you've got to respect the customs of Australia. And Australia has been one of the most successful countries in dealing with coronavirus. And she says, you know, it's not the same in every country. And if you come to a country to play tennis, you've got to follow the laws there. And, and, And someone else said, look, go through 14 days in a beautiful hotel, the Grand Hyatt, and then you're guaranteed almost $100,000 for just playing you know, one round of the Australian Open if you're in singles. So when you look at it like that, it's not too bad. They've just got to put up with it, I think. Jason, before we talk a little bit more about Australia's coronavirus situation, while the players might be complaining about conditions right now, I understand there's an uproar from the local residents as well because there are more than 35,000 citizens and residents stranded overseas. So what are they saying about you know players flying in just for the Australian Open while you know some of their family members are still stranded overseas? Yes, it's very true. I mean, I was one of those people uh, in India, you know, when the coronavirus pandemic started, I made a mad rush back to Australia because I was actually working on the Australian Open 2020 in February. And I was concerned about getting back to Australia as the pandemic was setting in. And as you mentioned, there are tens of thousands of Australians still stranded overseas and their return home is limited by the number of flights from different countries. So I think, yeah, people are saying that they're not that happy that this uh, major sporting event has gone ahead. Of course, from a fan's perspective, it's going to be really good to see some of the biggest names in tennis. Of course, Roger Federer isn't here, but we're going to see just about every top man and female player here. But at what cost? You know, I mean, the financial cost is very high as well. I think something like uh, $40 million it's going to cost the Australian Open organizers for the quarantine arrangements. And at one point, there was speculation that the Australian Open organisers would ask the Victorian state government to pay for that. And definitely the residents weren't happy when they heard that. And Craig Tiley's come out and said, no, no, we are paying for that $40 million with the Australian dollar worth about the same as one Singapore dollar. We're in conversation with Jason Dacey. He's an ABC journalist and former Weekend Mornings host right here on Money FM 89.3. We'll talk a little bit about the coronavirus situation in Australia just briefly. There's news coming out that Australia may not fully reopen its international borders this year, even if most of the population is vaccinated against coronavirus. This according to the head of its health department. Jason, Australia used targeted lockdowns and they put out rules in place so that you know they could counter the coronavirus. And there was success in the initial stages and it locked down again. But how are things now that, you know, there were reports of a new strain possibly being identified, but 
have things sort of calmed down and his life back to normal again? Well, overall, Adrian, things are fairly normal. And just to give the big picture of Australia's coronavirus response, there have been 909 deaths since coronavirus began and the 22,000 cases, which is, for a population of 25 million, a pretty good response. But there are little hiccups along the way, little problems that we see. And, and here I am talking from Brisbane, you know, the biggest city of Queensland, the third biggest city in Australia. And we went into a three-day lockdown uh, on the 8th of January because uh, there was uh, someone who was exposed to the UK variant of coronavirus uh, that was, you know, wandering around unsuspecting in the community. So there was that hard three-day lockdown in Brisbane. Unfortunately, there were hardly any cases that uh, came out of that. So we did see, you know, increased mask wearing and things were kind of on edge a little bit. But gradually, we are seeing the state borders uh, reopening between Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria. Sydney still remains a bit of a, a hotspot in certain areas. And that's the big question. Uh, I mean, for example, I was uh, planning to go and see my mother and my brothers. I'm originally from Sydney. And uh, I wasn't able to travel uh, because I had to change my travel plans because Sydney was considered a hotspot. And that would mean if I returned to Brisbane, I'd have to go into 14 days of uh, hotel quarantine at my own expense, which is around uh, $3,000. So that was something I didn't want to do. But it does seem now as we get into February, things will relax and, and I may be able to take that trip. As you mentioned, Brendan Murphy, the chief medical officer of Australia, says it's unlikely that the international borders will reopen in 2021. And that's even with Qantas saying they want to begin their international flights from July 2021. So it isn't the best picture for international travel. There is a one-way travel bubble between Australia and New Zealand. That means that New Zealand residents can travel to Australia and not have to go into hotel quarantine. But if we travel to New Zealand from Australia, we would have to go into that 14-day quarantine. But there are discussions, you know, people are talking about maybe Singapore, along with uh, Taiwan and Japan, might be the first places, in addition to New Zealand, to be part of this bubble, this international bubble. But even that seems to be quite a way off. Yeah, that's a very interesting picture that you've painted, Jason. The situation in Singapore as well has also kind of eased out. We've entered phase three in Although community cases are slowly starting to pick up again, the overall picture seems to be under control. Another really interesting subject surrounding Australia is the situation and the talk of the universities with the international students. The apex body representing Australian universities has warned that excluding international students from entering the country will have detrimental effects. Miss Anne-Marie Lansdowne, the acting chief executive of Universities Australia, said that without international students, the quality of Australia's future workforce and Australia's global standing would decline. Now, international students who have enrolled to study at Australian universities this year have not been able to enter the country. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the federal government has prioritised the repatriation of more than 35,000 citizens and residents who were stranded overseas. So where does Australia go from here now? Well, Adrian, as you mentioned, it is a pretty bleak picture for the overseas students. This is Australia's fourth biggest 
export industry, something like 140,000 higher education students can't come to Australia. We've seen a petition to the Victorian state government for the uh, travel ban exemption. I mean, some education experts say that universities could run their own quarantine system so they don't actually have to go through the state-controlled hotel quarantine. But Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews says there's little prospect of that happening due to certain restrictions around uh, you know, international entries at the moment. Uh, overseas travellers can't come to Australia. So it is a rather disturbing picture for international students. Of course, they can continue to study online from overseas, and that's what's happening at some of the big uh, universities. And we did see a ray of light back in December when Charles Darwin University in Darwin brought back 70 international students as part of a pilot program, and they were students from China, Hong Kong, Japan, Vietnam, and Indonesia. So they actually flew into Darwin, which many Singaporeans know is actually the closest city in Australia to Singapore. And they went through the Howard Springs quarantine facility. That's a former workers camp. So this was something that we're hoping to see elsewhere. South Australia has spoken about doing something similar, but it really is hurting the education industry. We've seen 12,000 jobs lost in the university sector since coronavirus began. So it is a very, very big concern for Australia, which relies so much on international trade and international students. It is quite a disturbing subject because while students want to go and study because Australia has one of the best education systems out there, it is a stressful time for students. And I thought Jason will finish on a happier note. We were talking off air yesterday about, you know, your daughter just celebrated her birthday. Happy birthday. And you, you went to Dreamworld with your daughter and with uh, Queensland Tourism. And you have some very interesting anecdotes from that. You know, I really am grateful to be here in Queensland uh, as much as I miss Singapore and all my friends and the lovely Lion City, which uh, I certainly would love to go back to once the borders are, are reopened. But to be in, in Southeast Queensland is fantastic. And as you mentioned, my daughter, she turned 11 uh, the other day. So her treat was to go to a place that many Singaporeans would know well, Dreamworld, which is on the Gold Coast. It's one of the many theme parks on the Gold Coast. And there's a relatively new attraction called Sky Voyager. And she wanted to go on this ride. So this is actually something where it's a simulation of a, I guess, a flight where you're flying over parts of Australia. That's one of them. And there's also one of the US. And it's fantastic. You, you're on a seat and you feel like you're in a plane and you're getting sprayed with water and there's wind and you're flying low of a beautiful scenery. And she just loved this attraction, you know, the Sky Voyager at, at um, Dreamworld. So hopefully Singaporeans can uh, come out, experience that before too long, because there are so many great attractions here in, in Southeast Queensland. And my friends at Queensland Tourism and Events are always uh, saying, hey, you got to check this out because, uh, you know, it's a sunshine state. It's the holiday state of Queensland. And even though I'm from Sydney, I'm definitely grateful to be here in, in Queensland. And my daughter certainly enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for joining me on Money FM 89.3. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. And, you know, I hope that you take care and this Australian Open does go ahead because I know how much we love our tennis. And um, yeah, stay safe and uh, speak to you soon.
Thank you very much, Adrian. And I know as an Indian national, you would love the uh, India victory in the cricket test that happened earlier this week. And all my Indian friends in Singapore would certainly savour that uh, wonderful win that gave India an historic 2-1 series victory over Australia. So the rivalry goes on. And yes, let's hope we get more uh, good sporting events uh, throughout 2021, despite the challenges of coronavirus.